Let's go. Bingetown, how are we feeling today? It's your boy, Davey Solomons, here with Luke, Jim, and Kyle. We are back at it again with the Peaky Blinders train. Today, we are covering episode three, Gold, in which our girl, Ada, is absolutely taking over the show, and I'm here for every second of it. At the same time, the Shelby brothers, Tommy and Arthur, are in absolute shambles. Let's just open the floor up to general thoughts on the episode. I'm going to just jump in very quickly in that the recap... Obviously, it's very conscious the decisions of the scenes they put in there. Mm-hmm. And they put in the scenes discussing how Tommy is going on yeah. this elaborate journey to commit suicide. So just want to say that. And they brought up him being sick, too, or the seizures, mm-hmm. too. So is he going to get mm-hmm. TB? Oh, my gosh. No, he wasn't wearing the mask. He was, a couple we'll times. He was. But... Yo, he was wearing a mask. But not oh, that's true. Medical that's true. mask. Kind of <laughs> but overall, I, I really like this episode. Ada was yeah. an absolute star. I, I mean, <sighs> my gosh, she I didn't realize up. or really think almost that we could have a good episode or this good of an episode rather, where Tommy's kind of not in it a ton, and when he mm-hmm. is, it's kind of not really our Tommy almost. I would like to go back because I feel like this might be the least screen time Tommy's had in the whole series. That would be interesting to look at per episode, I, I believe, but. We'll have to fact check that. I want to say that this might be Ada's best episode of the entire series. I agree, man. Yeah. I and really do. She's amazing. Like I already, mm-hmm. we already established Ada stand podcast. So it was great to have our girl shine here. And I thought that uncle Jack Nelson did a lot better in this episode. And he mm. came off a little bit more. I think Jimmy, you were saying like everybody's older. a cockroach under me. Kind of like, oh, attitude. I thought you were going to say, Okay, I thought you were going to say older look because he had the gray hair in this episode that was yeah. more prominent. Yeah, it's definitely close-ups, that too. Close-ups definitely helped with him looking older. For yeah, sure. yeah, yeah, yeah. But yeah, I mean, this was definitely Luke. Sorry, I cut you off, but you're 100 right. Like he definitely was doing the more of the arrogance kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Maybe it was the more of like a pissing contest with Oswald, just because he feels he's more the guy that will try to have that pissing contest with him. Where Tommy's just chill, man. Tommy's just like you know who I am, mm-hmm. and he's always chill. He doesn't need to prove anything to anybody. And not to jump to the end, but I'm kind of happy we got pretty quick closure on the whole Ruby thing. Mm -hmm. Uh, It sucks, the outcome. And (laughs) there's a possibility, though, that it creates the most entertainment ever because of what it sends Tommy on a path towards. So that's Mm -hmm. that's always a win. But I'm I'm definitely happy this wasn't going to be like a main emotional arc point for the whole season. And we kind of got closure through three episodes. Yeah, I'm glad you said it because I knew I was going to say the same thing. It sucks to say we're glad that it's over for Ruby or like yeah. the storyline at least, but it needed to be over to finish this series. You know, if it was a season long thing, that's fine. If it's like season two, three, four, whatever. But Tommy's got some things he's got to take care of in a series finale if we don't count the movie. And Ruby being sick definitely would have caused some problems. Like I, w- I wouldn't have been ready and excited to have a situation where episode four out of six in the finale of the whole series is Esme and Tommy looking for this lady who threw a curse at him. That's actually a really good point. I would have preferred Ruby going that, like Luke had said last episode of the, like the poly role of now she's kind of in touch with the spiritual side of the gypsy culture and things like that. Yeah. Rip Ruby. They just pummeled that idea right into the dirt. Yeah, yeah. they really did. Which is fine. I'm absolutely here for all the, the rest of the action. I think that would have been a dumb route. Going back all the way to a couple seasons ago, Stephen Knight said when he was writing Peaky, everyone was like, why'd you kill off Grace? You know, she didn't have a lot of 
you know, she had that big storyline in season one and then they kind of aren't together in season two. And then she jumps back in the storylines and then boom, she's dead to start season three. And you're thinking she was going to be the wife of Tommy. And he said, Tommy can't be Tommy if he's happy. And Grace made him happy. And it's it's one of those things where I don't think he's happy now in general, just because he's dealing with a lot of shit. But maybe it's another thing like he can't have Ruby. Ruby needs to die for him to go to that next level and be sadly Tommy. Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it really sucks. Again next episode. He tried this episode, man. He tried. He said, do you have whiskey to Mesme? Okay, so this episode is going to act a little differently because of how the, the episode played out. It was pretty much a bucket of all of Ada's scenes and then separately all of Tommy slash Lizzie scenes. Lizzie connected both of them, but ignoring mm-hmm. that for now. So unlike the previous podcast, we're not going to go in chronological order here. We're going to just flow through the episodes by characters. And we're going to start with Ada stuff because it's it just makes it's more poetic to end with Tommy's ending because right. that fucking ending scene, geez, we'll talk <sighs> about that one. To start us off, I do need to bring in Tommy for one second because this kicks off Ada's storyline here. And when Tommy decides that he's going to go look for all of these gypsy cures for Ruby, he calls Ada and lets her know, like, I have to deal with my daughter. You're going to have to take my place, go to London and introduce Uncle Jack Nelson to Mosley and his wife. You're going to mm-hmm. have to be me and liaison for this whole entire operation, which is a lot of weight. And the fact that he trusts Ada is fucking amazing. So yeah. just to lay it out before we can just start talking about whatever we want, what we're going to talk about first is so that call that Tommy tells Ada to go do all of this. Ada actually getting into London, sitting down with Diana. And then Mosley comes in and then Nelson comes in in that next scene along with Gina Gray. That whole front to back interaction of all of Ada's stuff in London we could talk about. Yeah, I mean, it's so hard to know even where to start, but I really, really enjoyed Ada and the Deanna just like verbal sparring when it's just the two of them. Mm-hmm. Deanna is such like a wormy, interesting character where she's like obsessed with these status symbols of check the labels on their coats and mm-hmm. she puts out the vase and then Ada comes in with the fucking knowledge of the Egyptian vase and all that shit. Like that was just like a crazy conversation, but it's without va- the guys. It's a vase, yeah. Kyle. A vase. Excuse <laughs> me. Excuse 18th me. 18th century. Well, what I absolutely love the most from Ada was her composure in the face of Jack Nelson and Mosley. Those are two huge powerhouses in the political world. And she is just holding to her grounds, showing those Shelby roots and absolutely taking over the show. And I can't get over how much I've come to love this character in just such a short amount of time, to be honest. Diana took a step up for me here she too. Did. She's definitely still way under Ada. That goes without saying. Oh, but yeah, yeah. I think so she had a good episode. Like her actress I- a lot. I loved her fucking this is before Mosley even gets in here. So we could take this in three parts. It's it's Ada and Diana, And then the part mm. two is Mosley comes in. And then part three is Jack and Gina come in the American all in this first part. We find out from Deanna. This is where she kind of lay. She changed my perception of her, I will say, because she mm. starts saying some crazy things. She's just like, <laughs> yeah. I love I love porn. I love fucking women, too. Like, yeah. She's just saying <laughs> yeah, these things. I'm like, that. Jesus, yeah. man. And then she does. She says that. And then the other hand, she's like, you know, the Jews, we got to get rid of them. We might need to keep the gypsies around. I'll put in a good word. It's like mm-hmm. this woman is all over the place. But Ada fucking held her own. I love how she kept using the it's genetics thing like on mm-hmm. back on right her. back at her. Yeah, yeah. Like almost using it as a badge of honor versus the way that that Diana was using it as like a negative thing. 
it's so crazy to think about that you're thinking about some horrible thing the holocaust and we don't even need to talk about that but just like going back in time to this time period where somebody is literally saying in straight face 100 percent honest the cleansing mm-hmm, they're calling yeah. it the cleansing it's just unbelievable but yeah i mean ada held her own the entire time i would say had a step up on her she held her own with oswald she held her, her own with the american uncle jackie i mean there's an alternate universe here where if Ada agreed with Tommy in his ideology and, and running the business, she would be his like number two straight up. I mean, Aunt yeah. Polly is the only other one that mm-hmm. could be that close. John isn't like Arthur style where he's like just the muscle, but John's pretty much was just the muscle too. Arthur's obviously just the muscle. I mean, she could have been so capable with Tommy as like a dynamic duo. This is all Freddie Thorne's fault, man. He got her pregnant. He got the communism in her head and she just settled down and started turning against the Peaky Boys too early because otherwise I think she just would have been the apprentice to Polly, like you're saying. And she would be I mean, I guess the same result would have happened. She is where she would have been regardless. But she said it last episode. She doesn't want to be in the game anymore. She's just here because she has to. But and because she's fucking good at it. And she's amazing. Yeah, I, mean, that's, I like yeah. that she said that. Yeah, you, she's like, I, I don't want to be here, but I yeah. got the quote. So this is after Mosley makes his way into the room because they're they're just doing their small talk, which turns into them just awkwardly sitting there because they don't want to they want to wait yeah. for the boys to start mm-hmm. the business. So after Mosley comes in, he's fucking pissed that Tommy's not there, which understandable. <laughs> this is big boy Jack Nelson's coming here. After Ada gets in her bag and starts putting Mosley in his place, she says, please remember that in this moment, in this room, it is the Shelby family that holds the power because we have the information and the incentives to get Uncle Jack to do what we want. So when I speak, please keep your fucking mouths closed. Although I'm reluctant, I'm quite good at this. Just yeah. fucking put it on my grave. Officially goaded. She's joined yeah. Tommy and Johnny Dogs in the goaded squad. She's That's her best quote of the Ethel series. Fled in the goaded squad. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. yeah, very true. Very I want to say, too, that I really like the subtle headbutting between Mosley, Jack, and Ada. You know, with how they were giving each other drinks. And he's like, oh, no ice. And Anytime a question was shot at someone to like insult them, it's backhanded. Yeah, they just would completely ignore it and just move yeah, on. Yeah, I love that they ignored it. I love yeah. when he said like no ice and mostly didn't look at him, didn't acknowledge the question. Yeah. All of them are so <laughs> composed in the face of each so other. Funny. And I love it. Ada Honestly, says the line about like, oh, I st-, she stands up. She's like, I can see I still don't have my champagne glass. Yeah, like, they're just yeah. fucking going at it. It's awesome. I got the vibe from this that I still again that it feels like Diana kind of runs Mosley's life. I feel like she took mm-hmm. that back seat. Like she stood up next to him because she felt like that's like how the Americans operate. Because even Jack Nelson was like, wow, oh, he doesn't have a wife talking about yeah. Tommy to take care of their kid and shit like that. Because I feel like he walked in and she was like, oh, your perfume smells cheap, all this shit. And he's like, oh, I fell in love with my wife because her brains. I feel like she is actually the mastermind. I don't want that to be the case, though, because I love Mosley so much. I would not have guessed it ever after mm-hmm. season five because Mosley yeah. was amazing in season five. So I agree with you. I want that crazy Mosley, mm-hmm. but it does feel like she put a little bit of a leash around him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I can see where you're coming from. I don't feel fully into that idea just yet because... The way he presents himself still in these rooms, he just has like a little smirk on his face. He's never he's a little rat. He just lets yeah. his wife talk. It's as <laughs> if it's just like he's just having his minion just 
future wife speak, dude. yeah his speak his thoughts <laughs> and really just, say that. he just wants to kick back and relax and just watch his plan unfold i think that at this point he sees her as his equal but if you try to say to him that it's it's anything more than equal he would be like no no freaking way i'm i'm mosley here you know i'm gonna be the future prime minister of britain mm-hmm. but i think that in his own head and he's okay with making it look like and agreeing that it's 50 50 at this point but there's such a upper hand for ada in this whole thing where she's so capable and so good but she also doesn't give a shit so not giving a shit just makes her better than everyone in that room because she's not getting hurt by any of their slights she just come right back at him if she wants to she doesn't care if the business doesn't happen (laughs) right she's just like i'm here because tommy told me i love tommy and forced me to have lunch with all these people that i didn't even want to have lunch with (laughs) Yeah. yeah Gina had no yeah. business being in that room. She came I in. Can't, dude, hot, bro. Yeah, I did. can't not see Beth Harmon. It yeah. freaks me out. And I, <laughs> I mean, I've seen Anya Taylor join a million things, but it's I don't know if it's the timepiece thing or whatever. Maybe her hair being shorter. But I just like she sat there across the, the couch and she's like rubbing the couch. And I'm like, I see him, Beth Harmon. dude. <laughs> she just fits the time so well. She's just not That's made cool. for the 2000s. I think she's more of a nine. 1900s kind of girl. <laughs> I was gonna say she's a 90s. 1900s kind of gal. She's a 90s, she's a 90s gal. Yeah, <laughs> she's a 90s gal. Well, welcome to the club, Anya. So one thing I'll point out though is that we talked a lot about Gina and her standing with the uncle. Is she actually his favorite? Is she an heir? And she's trying to learn the business side of these things. Like, what is really going on? Because I think we're all still confused because. You didn't get that much from this scene, but you do know how comfortable and confident she is around her uncle. Mm-hmm. So that says a lot. Like that means if she's not getting intimidated by Uncle Jack, who she thinks is so far above Tommy, I don't mm-hmm. think there's anybody in the world that would make her feel shaky. So uh, to me, this is putting more weight on the fact that I guess she is really wearing the pants between her and Michael. Yeah. Yeah. I would say I agree. This scene between all of them gives the point towards I think she's the alpha with her and Michael. But at the same time, I think it goes more towards Kyle's point of view, too, where she really didn't seem like she knew what was good in this conversation. It was almost like she's just sitting there letting the the rest talk. And she's just there because I'm the favorite niece and he's bringing me along. He literally says, like, well, you know, my favorite niece decides to marry a gangster. And now I'm in the middle of this shit. It is. It's very confusing where she's going to turn into in the next three episodes. Give Michael some credit. I've, if he wasn't in jail, he would have been in that meeting. Yeah. And invited yeah. To yeah. Uh, to his credit. Yeah. Yeah. Fair um, enough. Yeah. I, I don't I, think this was Jack Nelson bringing along his number two. I just think she is weaseling her way into these meetings. But it's family. It exactly. Makes sense like for family purposes. There. That's what I think. It Maybe not total weaseling, but it is family. And that's like, I think Michael would have been there too. I could see it two ways. I think it's either one is that she is a little bit of a loose cannon. So like I could see it that he is thinking of that as an asset where he can put other people on the back foot by things that she says Mm -hmm. and things that she does. Or I could also, I could see that as like the Jon Snow Lord Mormont fucking thing where he is like sitting in all the meetings because he is training her to be. Yeah, damn. Number two. I kind of want that. I could totally see that. Yeah, I (laughs) I know you want it. I know I want it. Yeah. It's her character more interesting if it is that. If there was some kind of subtle ruse going on where like, Jack tells her in public, seem like you're like the naive girl and you're in over your head. And then at the 
the Michael guitar again. And she it's the walkout music <laughs> that she actually was like a big dog the whole time. Yeah. That would be pretty cool. I mean, I would be fine with that. But right now it does look like a girl who is the favorite niece of somebody very powerful. It's like saying my uncle's the president or something. So you don't think of the uncle as the president. And you're really naive in the way where you think he's just a normal guy. So you also think everyone else is normal. Yeah. And you are totally off. You can't talk to Tommy like that. You can't talk to Mosley like that. You're lucky you're talking to your uncle like that because he's your favorite uncle and you're the favorite niece. Yeah. I think I'm more and more on that train that she's calculated because I think it'd be a waste of the actress if I hundred percent uh, if she's just like a ditzy chick. I don't yeah. think it's worth it that way. Made Luke stay with that one. Agreed. And I and I really do think decent man probably. He was <laughs> yeah, spin-off of Anya. <laughs> well, last season when she that whole scene where Michael brings out the whole plan to Tommy and, and the Peaky Blinders. She was the mastermind and she was the calculated one. And she yeah. and he even said, like, this is my wife's idea and all this stuff. And when it was over and it didn't work out, she says, you know, I guess we'll have to go to plan B. That was more of a I know my shit kind of girl. Who knows? It could be it could be either or we're going to find out. I think the next scene that we have Jack and Gina in a room is going to be so telling for us, at yeah. least as viewers. We need I think we need one more interaction and maybe have Tommy be there too, which would be mm. tell us I think a lot. we need we need the two of them in private. That's gonna tell us yeah, right. what right. true is. True, true, yeah. true. So before we leave London, we have to talk quickly about how Ada and Jack interact because Jack shares the same sentiment as Mosley. He's pissed that Tommy's not there. Ted Mosby. Do you imagine Ted Mosby leading the fascist party? Oh my god! You, that's a total Schmozy move. In Ohio. move. <laughs> I, I live, live in the moment. moment. <laughs> but Jack feels the same exact way. He's so mad that Tommy's not there, but mm. Ada does a really good job of talking him down. And then she also relates to him says like, I researched you, man, like you had siblings that had consumption. That's what Dom Tommy's dealing with. And honestly, Jack bought the excuse. Oh yeah. As I'm still very intrigued by your brother. So I think this is an absolute win for the Shelby's neutral, maybe for the fascists. And then Gina, you know, whatever it's neutral for Boston too. I just think it was positive for the Shelby's and their business here. Ada should lead the company just going forward yeah, why not? she would be so perfect she would cause no issues with anybody unless they need there had to be issues but she would run it so much better clean more clean than tommy would well that's what she always wanted yeah i mean that was, you know she only was in the company when it was this clean side of things that she was running mm -hmm. in america all right but i think we were right when we saw the the scene last episode with tommy and jack you know what we came from that, what we got out of that, it was pretty much proven on the couch when Jack said, you know, I'm very intrigued by your brother. It seems positive, and I'm sure Tommy's going to use it to his advantage. Uh, so after this conversation, the next couple scenes we can just open the door to talk about are what Ada does directly before Arthur goes to Liverpool. So she leaves the office acting basically as Polly Gray slash Tommy. Yeah. She goes and talks to Isaiah. And then she sends him on his mission, and then she goes and has the conversation with Lizzie. No Finn. I was. I wrote that too. I no was Finn. So still. shocked been, that yeah. when we, we get a full scene of Isaiah or however you say it, mm -hmm. and there's just no Finn still without a word of his name. Still, I just wanted to bring, bring that up right bring now. Bring Arthur. Bring some some lackeys. No Finn. 
want to look it up, but I don't want to look it up because I don't want to spoil yeah, the rest of the season. Don't do it. What no. do you mean, don't look it up? Look what? I up. just want to say, like, oh, are we missing something? Did something happen with? No, I don't. I really don't think. You know, everyone hit us up on Twitter. Let us yeah, know if uni, we missed something. Bro. He's studying. He's freaking Gohan, man. Yeah. <laughs> but she's almost just as good in this scene with Isaiah as she was with Mosley and Jack. She killed it in this scene as well. This is like one of the first times he has like a one on one scene mm-hmm. with a main character and he killed it too. his actor. He I've does. been a fan of his forever. Yeah. Forever, him. meaning the, the character or the actor, the like, character. Like, I yeah, love so even the when idea. they change the actors, you're good with it. Yeah, I always yeah. loved the idea of an up and coming non Shelby that was just best friends with a younger generation, new generation Shelby that was a diehard. There's never been a single plot point through all seasons where they questioned his loyalty. Mm-hmm. He's been there since the beginning. And he's just like, you need those kind of people in your organization because you don't have that many family members, right? Even right. even if you count all the gypsies and the Irish side, like it's still not enough. You need people yeah. like Isaiah who's just hungry to come up in the world. And he says in this scene, talking to Ada, I was supposed to be an accountant, but people said I was like too smart. I would have been wasted time counting money rather than stealing money. And that's just yeah. epic because I love a smart gray character. And that's yeah. exactly what he is. I really hope he has a big role in the movie coming out. I think he should step up within the Peaky Blinders organization without a doubt and just have a huge major role with Arthur on his way out, man. It's just you got to find bodies to fill those roles. I like getting a little bit of the like, again, we're going to say world building. But when they talk about the Black Star stuff, I feel like they've never said that before. No, I got it. it when they said there's no black star, like you get it, but I don't yeah. think I ever heard it in the show before. I don't yeah. remember it being referenced, shutting down questions. Isaiah just kept asking for the perfume and she just wouldn't answer him. Just yeah, she's like, do what you're fucking told soldier. Yeah. <laughs> Any, anything that isn't of importance, just completely ignored because that's like the, he's, I'm talking to a girl thing. I'm not talking to the boss. And she's like, yeah. you're talking to the freaking yeah. boss here. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Yeah. Which is why she's the goat. (laughs) We'll talk more about Isaiah in a second. Let's move on to the Lizzie stuff, because this was like a quick, really, really quick scene. But I just feel like Lizzie, her whole purpose, at least for these first three episodes, is to show how much Tommy's changed and like how he's like always kind of like unemotional now. But this scene right now is just she just lays into the idea about how stupid gypsy superstition and magic is. And mm-hmm. it's kind of needed because Ruby's sitting here dying while Tommy's in the mountains, not even with his daughter. So I, I found this scene unexpected. I didn't, I didn't think Lizzie was going to come in here and say all these things because Ada does a good job of saying, you don't have to keep this face up with me. Like she's right. being the boss, the scene before now she's being the good family member, the scene yeah. right after she's just, she, she could do it all. <laughs> yeah, she, she's so much more versatile, threat, than man. Tommy. Yeah, yeah way in that sense. Lizzie's actress absolutely murdered this scene. I was getting emotional watching this on my lunch break today, just sitting there, <laughs> tears or eating. If she had actually cried, I might have actually cried. But she was like, sandbag. <laughs> can't. She was. I can't. I can't cry because if I do, then it's all going to come out. And well, let me know what you're eating. Breakfast. How do you stay so breakfast. lean while eating McDonald's? That's the question. Yeah. genetics yeah, no. dude that's I, the answer genetics, this, <laughs> genetics. This, this was generally needed though i feel like we get it a little bit obviously at the end but 
And we've kind of been getting it throughout, especially in, I believe it's episode one, maybe, right? When Tommy throws up outside of the hospital and like, yeah. says to him, like, what is going on with you? Like, you're pretty much a robot at this point. So it, yeah. it was honestly, it was just a great scene to allow Natasha O'Keefe to just show off the acting jobs. It is unbelievable. And she's totally in the right. You know, your daughter's dying and it's back in the day where obviously there's no cell phones. The travel's ridiculous. This guy is going into the mountains for days and days and days, knowing that his daughter could just, when he shows back up, spoiler alert, she could be gone. Yeah. But Tommy is Tommy. So he expects her to be alive when he gets back so he could fix the problem. I feel like Lizzie reacted normally, like how she should have. Honestly, yeah, Tommy's the one oh God, yeah. going crazy. Yeah. Every single one of those emotions was valid. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. funny how mm-hmm. the harder Tommy tries to have a normal life, the worse things go for him. And I want to get your opinion on this, and and I guess we could talk about it now or when Tommy's bucket happens. But Tommy is Tommy's whole thing when he's saying like they're coming for me is like when I try to do good or I try to get out, they come for me, right? Isn't that what he's trying to say? Like they won't let me get out. Do you remember when I guess last season when Younger dies and the car blows up and the little kid dies and he was saying, "Look, I was trying to do something good and a kid dies." When I'm and he says like his quote is. Not quotes, actually, but he says something just of saying, like, when I try to do good and when I'm not being me, that's when bad things happen. Mm-hmm. And when I'm being me, that's when everything goes right. I'm yeah. trying to be good. And then I think it's Polly that says, like, don't make that excuse. Aider Polly. It's like, don't make that excuse. Don't do that. Don't do that. Don't try to say, like, you being good means the kid died. I think it was Ada because that's it was Ada. Ada. Yeah, yeah, when he tells tells her she died or he died. Like, I just feel like that's what's going to happen here with Ruby. I'm trying to do good things here. I'm trying to do the right thing. I'm trying to get out and shit just keeps hitting the fan only when I'm doing that. So, you know what? I'm a gangster who, you know, from Birmingham and I'm going back to that and doing what I do. And that might it, be the last three apps, man. I think I it will be not too long of a grieving process for Tommy. Of course, he has his right to grieve, but he needs to get <laughs> it's his... just so funny. I mean, yeah, yeah. He just he needs to be the gangster that we know him from season one as to be the hardo and take over shit and run everything, run Boston. He might be drinking in the first scene of the next episode. Yeah, honestly. I, he did ask. He did ask I wouldn't for be surprised. Drink. He did. He yeah. did. So if we're good with Ada, I think that's exit Ada for the rest of the episode and clap, clap, clap. I'll say yep. it again. Yeah, uh, she's the best. Performance. She's Phenomenal. just the best. So we're going to pick up with Isaiah's mission where he goes and recruits Arthur. They're going to go to Liverpool to go fuck with the person that they know is skimping them for the opium in the warehouses that they have all of this. The whole entire season's business deal is like that's the asset that's very important. So they're getting skimped by their workers. So they're going to send these boys up there and cue the fucking guitar because we get that again <laughs> when arthur which i did not expect this he's back to his own self at least for, for a the little first bit part of this yeah. Yeah. and it's just like he's he's slicking the hair back he's like big boys don't ask for permission he's Whew, getting the bo- line Isaiah gets his whole <laughs> squad to come and man they just go up to liverpool and this is not what i expected at uh, all I'm going to hop in here because I was an arthur stan and to see him don the peaky blinders hat again slick back the hair and the music come in, I'm like, finally, Arthur mm-hmm. is fucking back. And it just goes to complete shit. And I was like, fuck the screenwriters, <laughs> fuck the producers, fuck everyone. They're but if you guys throwing... want to come on the pod, we'd love to have yeah. you. <laughs> At the same time, yes. But they're just doing my boy dirty. They had the setup 
perfect for him to just come in here, beat the shit out of this guy and walk away. And none of that happens. I'll tell you right now, as soon as that actor, Stephen Graham showed up, I was like, he's not a mini mini part to get killed or beaten up. He's going to be in another episode. He's freaking a great actor. He's Al Capone from Boardwalk Empire. He's going to be back. I'm assuming. I don't know. But this guy is the freaking man. You don't cast him just to get his ass whooped or to die. As soon as he walked in, I was like, something's going to happen to Arthur here. Like he's going to own him somehow or something's, you know, something's going to keep this guy alive for further episodes. I didn't recognize that guy, honestly. Al Capone, man, he killed it in Boardwalk Empire. He's in a lot of good stuff. He's an Irishman lately. I mean, he's in a lot of stuff. He gave a pretty good TED talk to Arthur. It was it worked. I just want to give a shout out to Arthur's little pump up speech. I mean, we were going in on a high. He was like, if you're a yeah. fucking peaky blind, look at you right now. This is how you start a mission, and you're going to look the exact same after the mission, because that's what Peaky Blinders fucking <laughs> Another did. great line. And he was technically right, yeah, because they all yeah. walked out in the same uniform, but it's because they did nothing. But they have to pay a hefty fine now. Yeah, no, no, no bullets. If, it, if no bullets are spent, but didn't he shoot once? He shot the ball. Isaiah shot once. Yeah, yeah. So yeah he's they're good. All, they're all getting slapped with huge fines. <laughs> There's still five, at least five bullets in that chamber. Those lackeys are like, damn, we don't have any money to be fined. But I don't think we need to spend any more time talking about what happened. I think it's more, what do we think is the path forward for Arthur for the last three episodes? Death. Death? Yeah. I thought the TED Talk laid the groundwork for a potential redemption. Yeah, and, that's and him getting clean. Dude, how many redemptions are they going to give him? What was the point of that conversation, though? Because he says, he lays out all the no, steps, just... he talks to him and tries to connect emotionally to Arthur, who's a Peaky Blinder gangster, and it worked, and it no, broke him. I'm, I'm just butthurt. That's all it is. Yeah. There's, <laughs> there's no time to make this actor like a huge character, so I feel like his only purpose can be you know what? We have three more episodes, one or two more episodes just to help Arthur get back on track. So you think he is going to yeah. definitely be another episode? That's what I'm guessing, just because I feel like he's too big of an actor just okay. for that one scene. He also mm-hmm. told him he was like, I, you can f- catch me over there any given day. Or he had some stash that him and his friends always hung around, something like that. So I just really liked what he said. I thought it was awesome. I agree. I didn't expect it, and it worked well. I was like, this guy is way too confident for someone that's about to get blinded. Mm -hmm. (laughs) He's like, you're about to kick my ass, but I feel sorry for you. (laughs) That could have went so wrong for him with that speech. Arthur's easy, (laughs) easy to blow up. Let's rip all of the Tommy scenes so then we can... um, finally get to this we've been hinting at like the whole ruby stuff and like what the implications of this for the rest of the season are let's go back to the very very opening scene of this episode by the way like the name of the episode gold is going to be a reference into the treatment that the doctors are going to use on ruby Mm -hmm. there's also a reference to ada ada too Oh, Ada, I thought you were going to say Abarama. That's what I kind of expected. Abarama Gold's like family or something was going to come of that. But it had nothing to do with that. You also have the scene where Tommy and Esme, Esme says, I want gold. I don't want money. True, true, true. And I was like so ready for Ari Gold to show up in the episode. (laughs) (laughs) Shut up. What a delayed fucking laugh from Kyle there, dude. (laughs) I still think it's a reference to Ada because she was absolute gold this episode. Yeah, yeah, yeah. she All was right. gold. Not jumping ahead. Let's let's do that opening scene where we find out <laughs> about the consumption, plus everything up to the point where where Tommy goes out to the gypsies and then Esme decides to help and she has the spark plug. So mm-hmm. before the horses get involved and they start going out to the graveyard, not too much, to be honest. 
Yeah, I mean, I think one of the biggest scenes and one of the best scenes was, again, we're talking about Lizzie's character killing it when they run into the hospital and they're supposed to be masked up and they're saying you need to chill out and Tommy's going nuts and Lizzie calms him down. Lizzie does calm him down and, you know, she says, like, my husband apologizes and he says, like, I do apologize. I'm sorry. She did get him down, but this shows and we knew it and we've talked about it, but there's major, major fire under Tommy's ass when it comes to his kids. You know, whatever you want to say about if he actually cares about Lizzie, you know, he cares about his family. But with his kids, <laughs> I, I really up. thought you were going to say if he cares about Charlie. <laughs> <laughs> we talked about it. That is yet to be confirmed. This is yet to be confirmed. Oh, my gosh. He asked for one more present from his dad, man. but i just want to say that getting into esme too when we first meet up with her and she's kind of is immediately puts tommy on the back foot in the conversation that they have with her that he has with her rather that the women in this episode i mean yeah the boys is out do girls get shit done they They get shit done baby the boys knew it She's the head of this group, which is pretty cool and tommy knows that that's that's respect i mean you have to be she was john's wife and she was mm-hmm. a badass while she was kind of like biatch for a little bit towards the back end she always held her own in the beginning Thomas. when she was just trying to be part of the shelby company i really liked her i guess that was season either end of season one or early season two is when i enjoyed her and then she just goes downhill like the linda way but right he was awesome for a little bit i was shocked that tommy was going to esme because he thought that she cursed him Mm-hmm. I thought she he was going to her for like doctor help, like medical help. Agreed. I agree. I don't know if I was the only one that thought that. Yeah. Esme is another character that's just nailing it down, you know, hitting us against the head that Tommy's a different guy. She says it herself. I mean, she says you always have eyes in the back of your head. And she got him on that mm-hmm. where she had the spark plug. I still don't know how she got to the freaking car first <laughs> without him seeing her run around. I thought she wasn't even going to help him and wasn't until that spark plug scene happens. And I would have been talking shit right now if she didn't decide to turn it around right away, because as much as I liked her appearance and it's a good callback, I don't know how much I need Esme in the rest of the season taking up screen time when we have bigger things to worry about. That's pretty much what the end of this little part of Tommy's bucket is, is she says, okay, I'll help. And she jumps in the car after putting the spark plug back in. I was actually going to ask that. Do you think Esme, if she does make a return, how many more episodes would she be in? I hope not I many. I think she's now, done now. I, think, yeah, I, would say, I hope so, because now with the gypsy stuff being put to a close, I don't think there's a real need for her anymore, Agreed. I hope. I actually would have, I would have bet money coming into the season that we would never see her again. Like, I wasn't expecting to it hear from Esme. It was a nice callback for this episode. It fit the purposes of what was going on, and I, I enjoyed it. But agreed. I think that was put a seal on that. Yeah, no, it's yeah. amazing that she came back. Honestly, mm-hmm, I think it's, mm-hmm. it's just you know people know this is a fucking Peaky Blinders. The act, if they call you to come act on the show, you're gonna say yes. Yes, one hundred percent. Except for Finn, apparently. <laughs> and Isaiah's I'm original really character. Yeah, I'm really glad that they brought the sapphire back up. Like the fact that it now is impacting Tommy's life so much in season six is pretty crazy. So let's do that because that's right. The rest of yeah. this episode, honestly, is going to be yeah. us talking about Tommy and Esme going through the graveyard, talking about the sapphire and the curse. 
and then literally him just showing up in the last five seconds of the of the episode and finding out Ruby's dead in the rain. Floodgates open. I'm, I am totally happy. We've been talking about the Sapphire now for almost three podcast episodes. I think we brought it up on the first one. Maybe it was the mm-hmm. second episode, but good callbacks. Can you imagine that Tommy literally is dealing with this Sapphire thing from season two? The love of his life is killed. And now his daughter, who is with another woman, has nothing to do with Grace in his head is going to die from a curse from this Sapphire as well. I mean, that's just ridiculous to, mm-hmm. to think about for him. There's Dave's answer. If uh gypsy stuff's real, cause it seems like it, <laughs> or it's just got like covered in tuberculosis and just people. Just <laughs> <like> that. My <laughs> gosh, <laughs> no one washes it. So it just gets handed to people and it's just a total germ fest on that thing. So is tuberculosis the same thing as consumption? I didn't know what consumption was until they know they, they gave the clarification of TB okay. in the hospital. So, yeah, okay. I was actually going to look up consumption when I, they first said it, but then mm-hmm. I was like, I'll wait to the end of the episode to just see if they give us clarification. Then they said TB, and I just assumed that that's just the science word for it. I think Killian Murphy destroyed this scene as well with him going into that fit of rage, explaining to Esme that he was going to give her anything she wanted and she he would build a monument to the child that also died from the sapphire i thought he put his heart and soul into that scene we got some great acting this episode between ada lizzie and tommy killed it i I was getting goosebumps he did he did Mm -hmm. and it made it even more crazy for me when the next is it the next scene that happens or the next scene we're going through yeah yeah it was it made it for me even more because it seemed like he was so committed they are telling me that Ruby is going to live. So I I know we were talking about last episode that she's probably going to die. But in that speech, there was a, a slight chance of it happening to me. And to see the next scene was just crazy. I just couldn't accept in my head that once that scene happens and he goes off saying, we're going to go find yeah. you know, the lady and you're going to help me as may. I was like, this can't be a real storyline. Like, right. It, I was like, it just can't be it for a series finale. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that I necessarily thought that he was going to come back at the end of the episode and bam, Ruby's dead. But I just didn't think I thought it was going to get cut short. Talking about his state of mind here where I already brought it up. He has a daughter who's going to die and he was ready to extend his trip to find some lady where she is unfindable pretty much. However long that takes, and he's thinking that his daughter will just stay alive until he fixes it. Well, when you put Which, it like that, it's that's not the. That I don't want to say arrogance, but there's that Tommy nice way of saying it, arrogance, where he's like, you know, I can fix everything, and here's my plan, and I am going to finish my plan, and at the end, Ruby's going to be okay. He didn't really have any thoughts to be like, damn, like that's going to take forever. I need to just go back to Ruby. In his defense, he did literally go right back to Ruby. Like he sent Esme to find her. And the next thing he did was go to the hospital. That is exactly what he did. I mean, 100% in his defense. Yeah. So what was his, what was his plan? Yeah. Do you think he was just going to like go back to Lizzie, tell her what he's going to do and then roll out again? Yeah, I think that was exactly what he yeah, was Yeah, I would doing. assume, yeah, that he thought he had more time because of like the doctors and the actual medical shit was going to be able to keep her alive long enough for him to get rid of the curse. Yeah. What he had last heard was that they were able to, they could have probably treated it. It was in like one lung, I think at, at, at the start of it. And yeah. He didn't know collapsed. that it was spread. Yeah. Yeah. It was collapsed. So he's like, okay, I've got a little bit of time if it is spreading, but even the doctors were shocked at how 
fast it was spreading, which is definitely unnatural to me. It's still probably that curse uh, going on there. But yeah, I think he would have just rolled up and just been like, yo, I'm heading back out to the middle of nowhere to <laughs> try and find an unfindable person. Lizzie would have tore his ass up. Yeah, she would Dude, like, she should still tore his ass up because... Oh, well, she yeah, she's going to. She Dude, did I mean, already. I was literally sitting there like, Tom, go ah. to her. Go mm-hmm. to her. It's literally pouring rain, and this just happened. You're letting her just just squat in the rain by herself. Mm-hmm. You're not going to give her any type of physical comfort. Like, please go to her, Tom. Mm-hmm. Didn't her. No emotions, man. And he's always in love with Grace. That's it. I said it last episode, man. As soon as he said that line to her face, like I, I pay for it still in my head. There's just no way you come back from that. I would never expect mm-hmm. him to be like, I love you now. He has someone that he cares for and can tolerate. That will be a, another half to, to help comfort him. And that's, you know, again, I'm going to bring it up when he said, you know, Lizzie was the only one who kept my heart from breaking all those nights. He respects her for that, but it's just like what he said to, what was it? The Duchess or whatever from past season where he was like, you didn't even get close to making me forget about grace Mm -hmm. when we banged question. Ruby is obviously Lizzie's kid. Charlie is Grace's, right? Yes. Yes. So there's a total chance that Lizzie is out now. She has no real connection to Tommy anymore with her kid being gone. And that could be another cap in the feather of Tommy going full back to gangster mode, burn the fucking the burn everything down to the ground. Right. Like Lizzie decides, I don't care enough about Charlie. Like I was here for Ruby and that was my family. If anything, it's more as more of a, I can't deal with you anymore. Tommy, not, not like I'm out on Charlie. Right. Yes. But I'm saying it does, but leave the potential for an out of Lizzie. Yeah. Just just leave this lifestyle. There's more of a situation where she can say, I'm totally out on you, Tommy. And her staying, it could if Charlie was her own, then she would feel more of a need to stay mm-hmm. is I, is what you're trying to say. Yeah, I, I, and I agree 100 percent. She could be out. I don't know if this is an Easter egg. I don't know what, but they showed her. And I don't know if it's been throughout the seasons, just this season, just this episode. But she always she had on her right hand a ring with a big ruby on it, which I thought was pretty cool. Red, the red, the red gem. Red, right it was hand. red and red right hand, which is never ever going to show up ever again. Apparently, <laughs> I don't even know what song you're talking about. Yeah, yeah. gone from our lives. Lizzie Take does a have a red right hand though. Apparently, on the edge of <laughs> love it. All That's right. the fucking episode, boys. I mean, yeah, it was a quicker one, and we kind of laid that out because it was mostly Ada heavy. I feel like when it is more Tommy heavy, as every episode tends to be, it's more dialogue. So because he was cut, it was it was just more. Tommy going crazy and the gypsy stuff and and Ada handling the shit. She's handled the handled the business side. So I'm really looking forward to what we get next episode. Um, halfway through the final season. That's yeah. insane to say. No, mm-hmm. perfect transition because I was gonna say now that we're halfway through the season, I want to ask what is the favorite episode so far? I'm curious is what your guys' favorite has been. The season hasn't been one of the best Peaky Blinder seasons so far. There's obviously three more episodes left to change my mind, but it's felt not like slow by any means, but I guess it's because we're steering away from that gangster lifestyle to more politics that it feels that way in a sense. So I'm just curious to hear what your favorite episode has been so far. I like that we've been 
taking this politic road in the final season because it feels so fresh and it is fresh. I, I always kind of lean towards good politics. Like I liked episode two the best because what I was clamoring for at the end of episode one was the lay of the land of fascism, communism, all of that. And then we mm-hmm. finally got it all in episode two, including like the IRA and where they stood. And then Mosley made his appearance and then Jack Nelson made his appearance. So I thought episode two was the best actually changed my mind just because of Ada episode three was the hmm. best, but maybe episode two was the most well-rounded. I heard you and Alki talking about this season upstairs earlier today. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I wouldn't say that this season, I, I would say that this season has been really good for me so far is I'm saying taking the opposite standpoint where I, it might not be the best season so far through three episodes, but I'm all in. So, and it's been amazing for me. I think I would actually say like the exact answer where I would have went to then wait, wait a second. I really, really, really love the scene with Jack and Mosley and Diana and Ada. Mm-hmm. And you can't really beat the heart wrenching finish to the episode. Tommy at the graveyard. Two is great. I think we might be in all, all in agreement that one's quote unquote the worst mm-hmm. out of the three. But I think I'll go with three is my favorite right now. Alki. And I talked about it and he said one was his favorite. So, hmm. okay. Okay. Well, he likes right, a little Kyle. Michael, little Michael, yeah. a little extra Michael talk. Yeah, Mikey stash. Three is definitely the best because of that, that scene at Mosley's house with all what five of them. Mm-hmm. But I think that it's just been a, in general, just like a good start to the season, mm-hmm. but it does really feel like because of the ending, like we've been saying that it's about to take a, you know, we're about to turn a corner. I feel like now things really have to get into motion. Like the business is really about to start. Like we've had our social yeah. luncheon now with all of the big players, but now the deals are going to happen. The the, yep. the details are going to get hammered out. The the backstabbing is going to begin. So I'm really excited for the for the next three episodes. And this season has been fighting the uphill battle of dealing with Polly. Taking that into account, I think it's been a really strong first three episodes. I almost, yeah, absolutely. yeah I think it might, it, it's up there. Like, I don't think any season is necessarily bad. Maybe season one is the That's lowest. The thing, too, is that we might be saying like favorite seasons, favorite episodes, blah, blah, blah. They're all still well above yeah, average. Top tele- tier television. Yes. Yeah. Top tier television, without a doubt. And it's all neck at neck for me, but it's without a doubt still going to finish strong that's just how peaky blinders always is and that's how they always will be but i'm excited for the movie too you know it's definitely the calm before the storm mm-hmm. you know we yeah. talked about great acting in this episode ada mosley tommy lizzie, oh, esme. Liz, I'm saying, lizzie esme coming back and having some great moments the acting was great but it's definitely the calm before the storm where where tommy pretty much said to Liz, or to lizzie to ada make it status quo right now Make it seem like Shelby Company's going fine. This deal is going to happen. Be me while I'm gone. And when I come back, we're going to pick it up. You know Mm -hmm. what I mean? Like, we know, like, that scene, which was phenomenal, was really, quote, unquote, social. It was to make the invite happen. It was to get them all in a room. Next episode, shit's hitting the fan. If you're looking for shit to hit the fan, well, it's coming. You know, who's going to make the first move? I can't wait to see the like Tommy being Tommy right now after the end of this episode. Is he going to be able to deal with people's shit? Is he going to go back to I'm not dealing with any shit? Can he still be a politician and be common collected if Mosley or somebody's talking to him like that in a certain way? It's it's going to be interesting, man. He could revert. 
He's gonna kill Michael. He's gonna go to prison. And <laughs> shoot him in the head. He's just gonna go to Boston. He's like, I'm pissed about Ruby's dead. I'm gonna shoot you. <laughs> and by the way, I still think Diana is gonna try to bang Tommy. She was still talking Tommy up in that in that scene with just Ada. Good stuff, boys. Anything else? Final thoughts? I want to say at the end of every episode, why the hell are we not seeing Finn? Like at this point, it is glaring. So is there a theory or are we just out on it? I am not joking when I'm saying my theory. Like, I know I, I'm making it into a little bit of a joke, but I think there's a total chance that he took this four year gap as an opportunity to get out of the game, because I think the Isaiah part confirmed it for me that if he wasn't in that scene, it's either behind the scenes actor stuff or there's a plan where he's doing something. And, it, and right, right, in right. my head, it's that he, there's a chance that he he got out. I mean, you can't make him a bad guy or something, can you? Mm -hmm. Because he's gone. And then it's like, what? Ha ha ha. Behind the scenes. Well, you guys didn't notice I'm doing something bad. The only thing I could have thought of if it's a storyline purpose, besides what you said, Luke, is back to four years ago when it's pretty much his fault that the plan to kill Mosley got screwed because yeah. he was partying and he talked to the to the guy that was fixing the football. I mean, that's the only thing I could think of. I, I have no other idea why he's just not even being mentioned. Agreed. Even if he was like fired from the show, you would still think that the youngest brother would be like, oh, you know, Finn's out in freaking, you yeah. know, at college. So, I think we're going to know. I think there's yeah. a reason now. It's making me more and more think it's going to not like a necessarily reveal, but right. it's going to be talked about. All right, guys, episode three is in the books. We just nailed these three in three days for you guys with the screeners because we want to drop them as quick as possible. We're going to take maybe a day break and jump back in. So you guys will have the next three ASAP as well. If you like what you heard, hit us up on BingetownTV.com. You can find us on any of your favorite podcast apps. Hit us up on YouTube if you're watching. We really appreciate every single subscriber, every single like. Um, guys, we also have a Patreon, patreon.com slash TV, $5 a month, all the exclusive content. Such a great time. Once again, we are Bingetown TV, and thank you so much for listening. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.